0: I call this a solitary journey. I, I struggled more with the title today than anything else. And and, and I'm going to emphasize this point, but I want to make another point about it. I call it a solitary journey. It's not really the whole journey is solitary. It's it, What I mean by that is that you can't be a Christian because your mama was. You can't be a Christian because you were born in a certain place or to a certain people, what, racially or culturally or w- whatever else. You can only be a Christian when God confronts you and you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, that is a solitary decision. Nobody else can make that decision for you. It is impossible. And what we see in this passage is Jacob had grown up with Abraham and Isaac and had missed it. He totally missed Have you ever, the older you get, the more this happens. And I'm older enough to know this now. Have you ever been looking for something and couldn't find it? Like looking for your glasses while you were wearing them? And and if you're like me and this is a a tool that I have to use a lot, I've gone looking for my phone, holding it. (laughs) I had someone tell me they were on on their phone talking to someone. So let me get my phone. And they were looking for it while they were talking on their phone. Sometimes we can overlook the most obvious things, right? How could Jacob have missed it? But in the chapter before, when Jacob fools his father, and he goes in to league with his mom, and, and they fool Isaac into giving him the, the, this blessing, he says to his father, your God, your God, not my God or our God, your God. And Jacob misses it. And this is why God appears to him. In chapter uh, 28, because he, he needs Jacob to know him and to be a follower of him. Our kids cannot live a Christian life based on our faith. It has to be their own faith. And, and that's something that concerns parents constantly. If you're a believer in Christ, you want your children to follow Christ. And I want to read the first nine verses of this chapter. It's a preamble, and I don't want to spend too much time in... As always, we're covering so much material and there's a lot of great rabbit trails in this chapter and we're gonna, I'm going to try to avoid most of them, but uh, I want to read this uh, first nine verses to make a few comments about it first because it's a great preamble. In fact, back up to, verse, uh, to chapter 27 and verse 46 because remember the chapter designations and the verse designations are man-made. God didn't have, I won't say it didn't have anything to do with that, but That's not inspired. I'll just say it that way. I really believe the chapter should have started up there in verse 46. And Rebecca said to Isaac, I loathe my life. Man, what a statement. I hate my life. And it's a strong word. I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like, like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Now, Jacob is telling his son, don't marry a woman from this neighborhood. You need to go back to your mama's place and get one. He says, arise, go to Patamaran, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. It's what I did. I went back to my dad's brother and got one of his daughters. You need to go to your mama's brother and get one of her, his daughters. God Almighty, notice this, that word there. In in, in that verse, in verse 3, this is a strong name for God. This isn't like, and God will bless you, it's God Almighty, the Almighty One. This is the biggest, strongest name of God. There is none beside Him. There is no other. He is the Almighty. Nobody is as strong as Him. And he says, bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you. So Isaac is looking back at his dad and saying, This blessing came to me, but you don't have it yet. He's preaching a little bit to his son. You have God hasn't shown up in in your life yet. And you need to know him and you need to know the I'm praying that this. We'll pass on to you is what he promised, but you're the one it's supposed to come to, so I pray this will happen. And so he goes on, he says, uh, The blessing of Abraham be to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Patamaran to Laban, the son of Bethuel, of, uh, the, the Arminian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Verse 6. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padom Aram to take a wife from there, and that as she blessed him, he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Esau is slow. I'll come back and talk about that. Seven, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother, and had gone to Padom Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not, had, did not please Isaac, his father. Check, check, catch that. Didn't please his father. Esau went to Ishmael and took his, his wife beside the wives he had. Mahala, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. I, I want to point out, first of all, Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob. Now he gets it. Isaac has gotten it. He wanted Esau. He liked Esau. But... All that stuff had happened, so he accepts the will of God. He blesses Jacob and says, listen, you need to go get a wife from over there. Go to your mother's people. And I, I mentioned that about, about Esau because Esau is slow to pick up on a couple of facts. One is he was never supposed to get it, and he didn't get it. He sold it and all of that. But think about what Esau saw in his life. Mom likes Jacob. But I'm dad's boy, so I'm going to get the inheritance. Dad's going to give it to me because he likes me best. But Isaac's listening to mama. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. See what she said? These Hittite women are driving me nuts. If Jacob takes one of these, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just, I'm going to kill somebody. And I said, Jacob, come here, son. Don't take one of these women. Go. Go get, go get one from your mama's house. i will make her happy. And down there in verse 6, Esau goes, oh, mama turns daddy's head. Dad's the head, but mom's the neck. She turns the head, right? Y'all are not responding that way. I thought you might. You think all these guys were just spiritual giants? No, they're like you. <laughs> going to keep mama happy. And so... When he he says there, when he saw that his mom had said, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had said that, I mean, Isaac had said that to Jacob, he goes, I know, I'll go get a relative. And he goes to Ishmael's family. Remember Ishmael, Isaac's half brother that also was not chosen by God, who also went off and did bad things. I'll get somebody from dad's family, but that's still not going to help him any. It's just crazy. You cannot get the will of God by trying to do something God didn't say do. You can only follow the will of God by doing what God said do. So I hope that just kind of sets up so Jacob is taking off on this journey. It's a five to 700 mile journey. I read one place said 500 miles, one place said 700 miles. So let's just split the difference. It's five to 700 miles. And Jacob had not seen God up till now. By the way, let me give you something to take home with you. And this is it. Please, yeah, there you go. If you've encountered God, you'd know it. I, I, there was an old little story uh, about a guy coming down during a revival time and praying at the altar. And he said, oh, Lord, come to me. Come, Lord, save me. And Lord, let me know it when you get here. <laughs> let me feel it when you come. I think sometimes we think, oh, you say a simple prayer. It's like a formula. It's sort of like going to the grocery store and you, you pay the price of a prayer and you buy the salvation and you put it in your pocket and you take it home with you and just hold on to that membership card until you die. And you get to heaven and say, well, see, I prayed this prayer when I was 8 or 12 or 15 or 22 or whatever. So you got to let me in because I bought the salvation by paying for it at the register by praying, praying for it. And that's not what a relationship with God's all about. A relationship with God is to know him personally, to intimately walk with him every day, to get into his word and let him speak to you. And Jacob had totally missed it. Uh, Jacob had missed God. I, I, I had it written that way. We rewrote re, re it. Can you put that first thing back up there? Or the first thing up there? The next thing. Sorry. Jacob misunderstands God. I just want you to get it. He didn't miss God in that like, oh, there he was. But he it's not like he missed God that... Oh, I have missed God. He missed God like he missed him. It was right there. He was obvious the whole time. There's Isaac, Abraham. Listen, Abraham didn't die as soon as Isaac was born. And Abraham was still alive when Isaac was born. And so he probably heard from Abraham himself about this God who had called him out and told him to go to another place. And this almighty God that had revealed himself to him. Jacob had grown up around God. Isaac and, and Abraham had to have told him. It doesn't say they did, but he had to have done, they had to have done it. I mean, you, you, what else do you have to do back then? I mean, there's no TV or movies. Or, they sit around and, well, dad, tell me about your family. Well, son, you got to understand where we come from and what's happened. And they told him these stories, and yet he had never quite got there. He had lived on his own deceitful ways and trickery all his life. And somehow, he had missed knowing God himself. And down in, in verse 10 is where we're kind of starting there. By the way, look back in 2720. I said this, but I just want to give you the reference. In, in chapter 27 and verse 20 is where uh, uh, Jacob says, But Isaac said to his son, How is it you have found it so quickly, my son? He said, Because the Lord your God has granted me success your God granted me not my God I don't know who I serve but your God gave me success and 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 so he had somehow missed knowing God and we look in verse 10 of chapter 28 and Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran and when he came to a certain place I I want you to understand I I don't want to make too big a deal out but I just want to let you know in this chapter we don't know where this is until later and it's as if God is letting us know he doesn't want you to know it's a certain place because what happens? I, I, I will tell you what, what does happen. I've, I've seen it happen in my own lifetime. I believe it was Brownsville, Texas. And supposedly, this is back in the 70s, 80s, a revival broke out. It was, and I don't remember all the details, so forgive me for that. I want you to get the point, not the details. And people from around the country traveled there to see the revival. I think God wants us to know, you don't have to go anywhere else to find God. He's right where you are. And that's going to be the point of Jacob's staircase, Jacob's ladder. It's really a staircase, but Jacob's ladder. It's not like a little wooden ladder and the angels are, excuse me, pardon me, can go up and down. It's a big old staircase because we'll see why in a minute. But, but somehow Jacob had missed God, but he comes to, and the Bible says, a certain place. He comes to a place where God's going to meet him. Let me just tell you something, friend. It, it, if, you are, if you don't know Christ, God will bring you to a certain place. And you'll know it when you get there. So where is it? I don't know. It's different for all of us. But God will bring you to a place where you'll realize that everything about you isn't good enough. Everything about you is messed up. And that there's only one person who is ever perfect. And that's Christ Christ. That there is a God that he loves you enough. He came to earth and died for you. And that he will face you with that truth. And you will either accept that or reject that. And I don't know how many times God might ever do that for you. Maybe once. Maybe a thousand. I don't know. But the Bible does, says, does say that there's some God just says, okay, that's enough. They didn't accept. Oh, I'm done. And they never do come to that spot where they receive Christ and, and, and know him. But look, look what happens when he goes to a certain place. It's, to me it's very interesting. Um, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night. Because the sun had set. Now remember when, when Abraham sent his servant to get a bride for Isaac. Man it was a huge caravan. It does seem that, Isaac, that Isaac, uh, Jacob is walking alone. And that's why we call it a solitary walk. He, he, he's going by himself. He gets to a certain place. And, and put it under, uh, it says, because the sun had set. And so taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. I've never understood that verse as long as I could read and think. How do you use a rock for a pillow? And now I'm an adult. I want to say, how bad off is Jacob that that's good enough? <laughs> You know, it just seems odd, doesn't it? I, I did read that the language here grants that it might have been that he took two stones at, on either side and rested his head between them as a comfort, but later on he sets this stone up as a pillar as a pillars memorial. So I do believe it's probably one, but regardless, all you got is rocks, and so he uses it as a pillow. Now I'd give you some problems in and of itself. But look at verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder, or a staircase, uh, a flight of steps, set up. uh, And it reached, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord, and that's all capital, Yahweh stood above it and said, I am Yahweh, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you uh, lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread it abroad to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. And then you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Notice that. You don't have to come back here. Wherever you go, I'm there. Anywhere you go, he's there already. And I'll keep it wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke. This is the same promises to Abraham as to Isaac is now given to Jacob. I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you a family, and I'm going to stay with you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to take care of you. This wasn't the most comfortable place, but suddenly as he sleeps, he has a, a dream, but it is a very realistic, and it is, it's really happening. That there is this suddenly this staircase and God is above it. But I want you to understand the language here is when God speaks to him, it's as if he's standing beside him. God is in both places at once. He's everywhere. And that's what he's trying to get Jacob to see. That this place and the Bible's trying to get you to see that you don't have to travel to a certain place. There are people that think you've got to come to church to pray or to church to become a Christian. Now you can do that anywhere. In fact, that's a, that's a good thing. Wherever you are, God is. He is there. The Bible says that those who come to God must believe that He is. And that one, one great theologian wrote a book called The God Who Is There. He is everywhere, He is there. And Jacob has this experience. It's a huge staircase, these angels going up and down it. I, I want you to think about something. This is God's way of doing things and God had sent uh, the reason we all speak different languages in the world is because man was trying to build that staircase to heaven in Babel, Babel in Babylon and this we see this around the world we see these kind of structures where they are building this thing to, to worship the God of nature and the God of the skies but God has a staircase that the angels are going up and down, and everywhere you are, it's there. This is a phenomenal lesson to us that God has these spiritual beings that are coming in and out of heaven. They're coming to earth. They're going back to him. They're they're carrying uh, out the will of God as, as it's going on. And it says the Lord stood above it. And then it says God spoke to him, and this is what he says to him. And so... He receives this promise. But here's how I know Jacob got the point. Look what happens uh, in uh, the, the very next uh, verse, verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely Yahweh is in this place, and I did not know it. He realizes God has been here all along, and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome! Is this place? This is none other than the house of God or Bethel, and this is the gate of heaven. He names the place Bethel, it tells us that it used to be called Luz, now it's called Bethel. But I want you to to just think about what God is saying, or Jacob is saying, and God is saying through him, I think, to us, that surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it, that, that God is around us all the time. There's no place you can flee from the presence of God. And David said, if I made my bed in hell, you'd be there. God is, there's no spot in the known universe and the unknown universe where God is not there. But I want you to catch that word because it became a very popular word some years back and people still use it, verse 17, awesome. In another church we served, our worship director, if you said the word awesome about anything but God, he'd jump all over you. Because it means it inspires worship it's ins- that this place is a place that causes me to worship God this this vision this knowledge that God is here causes me this place is awesome it creates awe of God I don't think that's a stake I don't think that's a tv show or a song oh man this song is awesome it could be a song that inspires worship of God. But I don't think we use that word as correctly as we should. Now, I say awesome about a lot of things. I'm not, I'm not going to be my friend and jump on you if you use it. But boy, I was careful never to say that word in front of him. Because he respected that word so much. And here it is in Scripture that, that Jacob says, This place, this is an awesome place. How awesome is this place? And so he names it Bethel, the very house of God. Jacob, he wakes up and he, and he acknowledges God right away. This, this kind of reflects also uh, Saul becoming Paul's conversion. Paul is out there killing Christians. He's denying Christ. He will not believe that that little Jewish guy named Jesus from Nazareth was the, was the Messiah, the Son of God. He was as mad as any Pharisee ever was, but he heard the sermon Stephen preached as they stoned him to death. He stood there with the coats and he heard Stephen explain from the Old Testament how that Christ is, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, and he couldn't get over it. And so he's heading out, To go kill some more Christians, and God just slaps him down, knocks him down, and says, Boy, it's kind of hard for you to kick against the pricks, isn't it? How long are you going to keep doing that? And he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. (laughs) Got it. <laughs> Don't have to ask you any more questions. I know who, what I've done now. I know who you are. It's a, it's a very similar experience. Jacob has been denying God. Oh, my grandfather, he's senile. My dad, he's crazy. They didn't see all this. And now Jacob has an experience where God confronts him with his presence. By the way, you think this is just for Jacob? Uh, let, let me read you a verse out of the book of John, which is in the New Testament. That might excite you. Jesus is calling some disciples to follow him. And in uh, chapter 1, uh, the Bible says, uh, down in verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, found Philip, and said to him, Follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, can anything come, good come out of Nazareth? I don't know what community you think is the bad community, but that's where Jesus was from. He, uh, most people don't ever see the, the, the Jesus of the Bible. We think of him with a halo floating around in a white robe all the time. He came from the worst part of Israel, poor. And I, I really appreciate Philip, his Nathaniel's brother, instead of arguing when he said, Come see for yourself. Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael, that's a straight talker right there. And Nathaniel said, How do you know me? And Jesus said, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answered, Rabbi, you're the Son of God, you're the King of Israel. And Jesus said, Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, you believe? Man, you're going to see greater things than these. And he said, I say to you, you'll see heaven opened and the angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. You see, the staircase of Jacob is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is by that way that heaven is opened to us. Jesus lets Nathanael know that. Just as God met Jacob in the desert, I'm going to bring the presence of God to the whole world. And you're going to be a spokesman for that. You're going to tell everybody that you come to the cross and you get to see angels ascending. Not physically, but man, we come, when we come to Christ, we are coming and acknowledging that man cannot reach heaven. Just like that Tower of Babel, we can't get there. But God opens a way for us. He comes to us. And that ladder, that bridge, is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jacob recognizes God back there in Genesis 28. And he says, this is none of the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And what did Jesus say? A thief comes in by, through the window and slides in. I'm the door. I'm the gate. I open it. I close it. The sheep come in and out through me, right? This is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he put under his head and set it up for a pillar, poured oil on the top of it, and called the name of that place Bethel. He begins to worship God. He pours oil on it, uh, which is symbolic of the Spirit of God. But the name of the city was Luz at the first, and Jacob made a vow saying, the word if in the Bible, whether Old Testament or New Testament, can also be translated since. And I think in most places, I'm not smarter than the guys that translated this for me out of Hebrew, but I think they missed it here as well. Since God will be with me. It says if in your Bible. Since God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then Yahweh shall be my God and this stone which I've set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all... And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth unto you. He promises, God, I'm going, I'm going to follow you. I believe you, and since you are that God, I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to give you a tenth of everything. And Jacob dedicates himself to following Yahweh, who's revealed himself to to him. Jacob makes a vow to God. I I, want to point out something about that. He sets up a memorial. Why do you do that? It's a reminder. We, we make memorials in our lives so we'll never forget. I, I've got a silly memorial that I keep on my body at all times. Y- you probably have never even seen it, but I, I, I might even show it to you right now. I, I wear a shark's tooth on a necklace. And you think that's because I'm from the coast, but it's not. One time, many years ago, somebody asked me, could I preach a revival? And I said, sure. Got the date set. And then later on, I found out that I'd failed to check on what was our schedule. And our schedule was there was a vacation planned that same week. I couldn't get out of my commitment. And so my family, my kids were young. They went on that vacation without me. My kids say it's the second most fun vacation they ever had. <laughs> I was at the best. So <laughs> I don't know. It was, and they picked up that shark's tooth on the beach in North Carolina and I keep it on to remind myself before you go running off make sure you got things right at home make sure you're taking care of that first that's more important that's got to be first Jacob set up a memorial you ought to set up memorials in your life to remind you because you're forgetful so am I we're forgetful people that was many years ago when that happened. That was about 98. And uh, still I have that to remind me. Jacob made a vow. And here's what I want you to know. This is the only patriarch where he it's recorded that he made a vow to God. I mean, Abraham's the father of faith. Isaac's important in there. But Jacob said, I'm going to follow you and here's my vow back to you. I will do this. It's a commitment to do what God has called him to do. And so, I, my question for all of us in here is, have you encountered God? Have you had a showdown encounter with God? It, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as Jacob. I mean, God doesn't give everybody a vision of a staircase. God didn't knock everybody down on their way to Damascus like he did Saul. It, it, it might be just like me. I grew up in the church, born, uh, practically born in the church. I was born in July and September. My mom was changing my diaper on the pulpit as a hurricane came through, they all went to the church to survive the hurricane. I was in 59, if you want to look it up, September 59. So I've been on the pulpit a long time. Somebody said I've been doing the same thing too, right? <laughs> Laying stinkies out there, but anyway. But none of that mattered until as an eight-year-old kid, I knew that I was lost and I was going to hell. And that I, know, I needed to know God. And God was calling me to come to him and surrender my life. And brother, let me just tell you, I have not been perfect a day of my life. But back then, on that time, I knew I encountered God, and I've never forgotten it, and I never will forget it, what happened. That's why I said, if you encounter God, you know it. It's not going to sneak up on you. You're going to know it. And so I challenge you. The Bible says, examine yourself whether you're in the faith. There are a lot of people who go to church their whole life and never have a personal encounter with God. Just like Jacob, man, your mom's great, your mom and dad are great, your grandparents are great, you've been in church all your life, but you've never bowed the knee before God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, and said yes to Him. And I don't try to scare you out of your salvation, but I'd rather have somebody with a little bit of doubt than somebody that has a, a, a confident assurance and are lost and going to hell. I don't ever want to make a church a comfortable place where you can go to hell from. So that'd be the first thing I'd do this week. And secondly, I would say follow God by worshiping him and a dedication of your purpose. He raised a memorial stone. He poured oil on it. He said, God, I'll give you 10% back and I'll do whatever you ask me the rest of my life. That's what Jacob tells him. Will you tell God, God, I will follow you. I will obey your commands and I will know what they are and I will do everything you call me to do. It's only a solitary journey until you meet God. But once you meet God, the promise to Jacob is promised to you. You get a family. It's called the family of God. You get a country. It's called the kingdom of God. We will inherit this earth. We don't have it now. There's coming a day where we're going to inherit the earth. That's the promise from from our Savior. We get a family. We get a place. We get all all that God has for us is ours to have. And that doesn't mean everybody's going to be healthy, wealthy, But it does mean this, that if you need it, God will give it to you. If you don't need it, he'll keep it from you because it's going to hurt you. And that God will give you everything you need and we have inherited heaven. What, What do we lack with a God that loves us like that? And so I just recommend that if you have met God, that you would follow him with all your heart, soul, and strength. And if you haven't met God and he's speaking to your heart right now, that you won't leave this place. You won't leave this room without doing business with God. Would you pray with me, Lord? Lord, I, I can't talk anybody into, into faith. I can't talk anybody into following you. Lord, I try to expose you with words, but Lord, only your Holy Spirit can work in their hearts. And you know that. I'm saying that for them, really. So, Lord, I, I just pray if any person here right now that doesn't know you, That, Lord, your Holy Spirit would speak to them in a strong and mighty way. That, Lord, in this very moment, that they will say yes to you. Lord, we don't need to see staircases, all that. We, can, we know the cross was there. We know this is the most provable fact of, it, of history. That, Lord, you hung on that cross way back. And as the son of God and son of man, as the perfect man, you put aside deity and you died for mankind, that we could have you as our reward and we would know God our Father and that we would be a family together in you. So we thank you. These promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are also to us. We have a family. We We have a place. This whole world, you said in Psalm 2, that you're making the world your footstool, that all the nations will come to you and so Lord we look forward to that day when it comes but until then we are like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob we sojourn in a foreign land we're not members of this land we're members of the kingdom of God and right now we're strangers and aliens as we walk through this land and we walk through it not blindly but Lord by faith but not with the eyes of flesh for what we see with our eyes fools us but what we see with the eyes of faith is the truth in your word So, God, I just pray for anyone who doesn't know you in this moment right now. That, Lord, they would turn to you and receive the promises that you've given. And as you said in 2 Corinthians, in the first chapter, as many as may be the promises of God in Christ, they are yes. And by the Spirit, we give the amen.